Welcome to Setting Captives Free podcast, where we talk about how to experience gospel freedom. Romans 6-7 says, For one who has died has been set free from sin. On today's broadcast, Mike Cleveland, founder of Setting Captives Free, shares how you can experience the freedom purchased for us by Jesus Christ at the cross. Okay, hello. Once again, it's Mike Cleveland. I'm in San Francisco, but my wife's at our home in Olympia, Washington, and we are talking through Zoom. And for this broadcast and some ones following, we've decided to look together at Ephesians chapter five. Mm -hmm. There is so much truth in this, Jody, that we could go on and on, and we're gonna have a hard time condensing it down but I'm looking forward to just reading a passage of scripture with you. How about you? Yeah, that sounds great. I'm excited. Well, let's, uh, let's begin uh, Ephesians chapter five. Let's just jump right in. Verse one tells us to follow God's example, therefore as dearly loved children. Now he's about to explain what that example is, but we're taught right away that we have an example to follow and that's God himself and how he acted. And we know that Jesus, the, who came in the flesh, he was God in the flesh, gave us an example to follow. Um, and, you know, Jody, we are looking at verse 1 where it says, as dearly loved children. Um, as you think about this verse, uh, how do you know that you are a dearly loved child? Yeah, I just, I have to say, this is one of my favorite ways to be referenced <laughs> um, in the scriptures. Um, I love this, uh, this idea of being a beloved child, right? Uh, and the way that I know is that I look to the cross and I see that my father, God, loved me so much that he gave his only beloved son to die on a cross to make me righteous, to give me the power to become a daughter of God, to be give, give you the power to become a son of God, to make us beloved children, right? In Christ, through Jesus' death on the cross and his powerful resurrection, we have been made righteous, beloved children. God can speak over us, and he does. The, this is my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. And um, yes, as a beloved child, in that foundation, I, I can um, receive the invitation to be an imitator of God. You know, um, I think a lot of people read that and stop, therefore be an imitator of God. And, you know, that's right. You be holy and you be righteous and you follow all the rules. And it just takes all the wind out of your sails if you, if you think about it in that way, because it's hard. I, I, by myself, I'm not any of those things. I'm not, no way. You know, in fact, I've even heard people say, well, I'm not God, you know, when talking about, um, say, forgiveness or love or, being kind to someone who's an enemy or things like that. Um, they'll go, well, I'm not Jesus or I'm not God. I'm, I can't do these things. 
but you can, we can as children of God, as beloved children who've received the Holy Spirit, we can be an imitator of God. Exactly right. Um, dearly loved, I like this version, NIV, it says as dearly loved, not just loved children, but as dearly loved children. Right. So he addresses us based upon the work Jesus did on the cross, loving us unto death, and that's now the foundation upon which we're going to learn how to live. So maybe someone listening has has not been a dearly loved child. Maybe they've had uh, parents who have simply not loved them or maybe mistreated them, um, not shown them any love. Uh, but now they're being called to turn and look how God has treated them. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will never perish but have eternal life. I think about John 13, 1, and they were about to um, experience the foot washing from Jesus. You remember the passage, and it says that Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. So he was facing the cross right now. And it says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Mm. And so here again, we see that we are dearly loved children. The proof is that Jesus loved us to the end. He didn't go up to the cross and right then say, you know, this is going to hurt. And this is going to be the worst thing that anyone has ever endured in their life. And I'm just not going to do it. I, I love him, God, but not that much. No, he loved you to the end, Jody. Yeah. And so you're a dearly loved daughter. And, and that's your identity. And, right. and think about what would you think then that that would do for people who are, have spent the majority of their lives looking for love? Right. But what do you think that would do for their understanding right well if you receive this identity if you receive jesus as your savior if you put your faith in him and you receive the gift from the father of forgiveness and the love that he is pouring out then you have found the love that you've been looking for <laughs> you know it doesn't matter if your earthly parents are wretches and you know beat you and abandoned you and did not love you as they should. In fact, none of our parents, even if you had the best parent, they were still human, you know, with flesh who failed you at some point. None of us can say, oh, well, I had, you know, the ideal parent. Um, even our, you know, I'm thinking about our children right now, and we, we have told them, we've apologized numerous times. Well, you're sorry, you know, we failed you in this, or we didn't love you the way we should, or whatever. So, um, you know, every person can on some level relate to um, this need, this desire to be loved perfectly, to be loved just for you, not for what you, there's that song. Do you remember that one? Um, 
uh, who will love me for me, not for what I have done or what I will become. You know, I, it was a song really popular several years ago. I can't remember. It's a Christian song, but I can't remember the rest of it. But there, there, there's just something inside of us that longs for that perfect love. And that is what we have in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have perfect love. You have been loved perfectly and you are being loved perfectly. And when, and you will be loved perfectly eternally. There is this most wonderful fullness and, and beauty that flows from the love of Jesus. When we look to the cross and we see how much he was willing to suffer, how much he endured for our sakes. There's no greater love. And that love, when we receive it, when we look and experience it and really let it soak into our hearts, the Bible says the Holy Spirit pours. He pours, not drizzles, not sprinkles, he pours love into our hearts and the love of God, right? And this love fills us up, just like you put gas in your, in your car and fill up the tank, right? That's what, it, that's what the, the Holy Spirit does with the love of Jesus in our hearts. It just fills us up. And when we are filled up, we can go. Right, We can do things that we could not do before. We are supernaturally empowered by this amazing, miraculous, full, and beautiful love. That is very well said. And I'm sure we're talking to someone right now who, like we said earlier, has not experienced this love. Uh, they, don't, they wouldn't say they were dearly loved children. Uh, and yet, this is exactly what God calls them. Right dearly loved children this is the identity that you need to have that you have been loved and loved dearly and loved unto death uh, as you see jesus hanging on the cross what you see is one who loved you to the end as it says in john 13 1 he loved you to the end he didn't stop uh, and so our identity is is clearly shown uh, first here we're dearly loved children and that, I, the thing the, i i want to draw out something you said there which was he loved us to the end and and i want us to remember here that when jesus died we were in him in our old identities the identity of uh being a sinful wretched person the identity of being a a um unloved person um, of being um, unworthy, right? All these negative ideas that we can have about ourselves, um, negative identities that we can hold on to, sinful identities, right? These died with Jesus. So Jesus did. He loved us to the end and back. He, he loved us to the end, took all our wretchedness, all those bad identities that we sometimes cling to, he died with them and overcame them and rose with healing in his wings, as Micah said, you know, with this freedom, this newness of life, this abundant life that he gives to us, that now, yes, we are beloved children. 
you're so spot on there. We have to embrace this. When we keep looking back to our old identities, we, we get stuck. We get mired down and, and trapped in those old identities. We have to let that go and receive the new identity, the new um, label of being a beloved child in, in Jesus. That is so important, Jody, because to be stuck in the past identity is nothing but bondage and slavery, yes. being trapped, because we always live according to who we see ourselves and who we know ourselves to be. Right. So when you look up at the cross, there was a sign there. It said, Jesus, King of the Jews. Yeah. But we were crucified with him. So go on the back side of the cross and we would see our name with our list of sins there. Yes. But, but replace those because that person died. Right. We were risen with Christ. And now look up there again and here's what you see. Dearly loved child. Yes. Yes. And, and that's amazing to experience <laughs> that kind of love, you know. It so, is. As you go on to verse 2, it says, walk in the way of love. That means... Yes to make it a habit pattern in your life, to move forward in love, to keep walking in love. And we might ask the question, well, how do we know what that is? And so he answers that question next when he says, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Jody, what is he doing? He's pointing you to the cross and he's saying, live like that love like that. He's saying, if you don't know what love is, well, as you know, 1 John 3.16 says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, yes. and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And so he's calling us to look at the cross, first of all, as our example, and see the love poured out, and then to take up our own cross and to love others the way that he has loved us. It, isn't this amazing? And Jody, I'll tell you this. I don't personally know anybody in my life who loves like you do. As far as human, being, human beings go in the flesh, I don't know of anybody. I watch you with other people. I watch you with our children. I experience that love myself. And I just don't know of anybody who continually, always, constantly walks in the way of love. Always selfless, always giving, always pouring yourself out for the betterment of others. And this is the picture of Jesus that we want to display to those around us and to the world is, in essence, to love as Jesus loved. And the only way we can do that is by fixing our eyes on him and how he lived and died, right? That is so true. And I just have to say that I'm just following you as you follow Christ. You know, if, if that's what you're seeing, it's probably just a reflection of what, um, uh, of, of what you're seeing, or what I'm seeing in your own life. Um, of just being able to follow you in the way of love, walking in love as Christ has loved us. And, and I think that is so important for us to remember 
that it's not us mustering up this love, you know, or, or being some doormat that everybody tramples on. That's not what it means to walk in love. Walking in love is, is looking to Jesus. It's almost like um, to remember uh, in the old cartoons, right? And, um, and so like they would get uh, stars in their eyes and they would like lock onto somebody and they would just float toward them. And it was just so silly, right? In the cartoon. But in a way, when we fix our eyes on Jesus like that, we are able to, to walk differently. By nature, we all walk according to the flesh, right? By nature, we are not loving people. We're just not. Nobody is born loving, okay? That's just, it's a, it's a myth. It's like a unicorn. It's no such thing. <laughs> um, there's no no baby I ever gave birth to who just walked in love from the from the start. They just are naturally fleshy and 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 selfish, and they want what they want, and that's just who we are as humans. And so that we need something, someone to transform us, to change our hearts, right? And and the way God has chosen to do that is the most beautiful way because he's just poured out his whole heart. He poured out his heart in his son. Jesus came and he just loved and he gave and he healed and he lived in perfection. And even, even in his corrections of people, he was never cruel and he was direct. He was very forthright. And I mean, he was very uh, much stood up against the religious um, tyranny of the day, so to speak. But but he was never um, himself cruel or anything. He was always doing what was right, doing what was good, doing it perfectly, right? Because he was living the life we could not live, right? He was living perfectly for us. And then he, he walked and he suffered so much, Mike. He just took it all in so much love, right? This was this is God pouring out his heart on the world in his son. And then dying, having his heart pierced and seeing the blood and the water come out so that we might be cleansed and purified and made these beloved children who could walk in love. It's just so, it's the most wonderful thing that we have been invited into the walk of love, that we can do it, that he enables us to walk. He, he's in us living it out, right? Exactly. That's so well said. Um, in, in closing, I want to draw our attention to the last phrase in verse two. Okay. He gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. It is meant to take our minds back to the Old Testament to draw our attention to the sacrifices that were offered that were said to be a pleasing aroma to God. And I think 
often of when Noah came through the flood and he and his family and they got to the other side and and Noah immediately built an altar to the Lord. It's in Genesis chapter 8. It says, taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. And then the next verse, verse 21 says, the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, never again will I curse the ground because of humans. Think of, think of that. That aroma of the offering of the blood sacrifice made him blurt out immediately these words, never again will I curse the ground because of humans. And think about the cross. It says that Jesus was a sweet-smelling uh, or a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. If the blood of animals made God say those words, never again will I, in essence, pour out my wrath. What did the blood of Jesus do? The offering of his own son. Jody, think about it. He was a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And God declares, never again will I pour out my wrath on any believer. Never again will I curse anyone because I cursed my own son instead of them. And this sacrifice to God that Jesus made on the cross where, where God made his soul an offering, a sin offering, was this sweet-smelling aroma to God. And Jody, what's amazing to me is that when we live out this kind of love, when we live the cross life of dying to ourselves and living for others, we actually become an aroma of Christ. And, and so we are carrying around in our bodies the death of Jesus and become this sacrificial aroma and and this is what i see so much of in you but as you look at this verse that jesus is a sacrifice a fragrant offering uh to god what thoughts do you have as you think about you know maybe the burnt offering of the old testament and the aroma that it produced and and how jesus was that in completion or fulfillment Absolutely. Well, um, yeah, I think so much of, um, like talking about the Old Testament and the sacrifices and the aroma, it was constant, right? There was a constant um, smell. A lot of times we have air fresheners or th we have things that we spray around, but it's temporary, right? It dissipates and it's gone. And uh, it, the, the sacrifices in the Old Testament were continual, right? They were just ever going. And with Jesus, it remains. This is, they had to keep offering, right? But Jesus, once for all, right? And his aroma is eternal. It's beautiful. It's so wonderful. And it's such a, a an exciting thing for me to know that God receives that offering for me every day and for all of us. Yes. You know, when Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, do you remember that? She poured it out at Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. 
I know you've often identified with her, but it says that the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Yeah. And God wants his house, his church, his body to be filled with the fragrance of the sacrifice of Christ. Mm -hmm. And it ought to permeate our lives, our homes, our churches, everywhere we go, we should be bringing the aroma of Christ, sacrificing ourselves, preferring uh, one another over ourselves. Right. When we walk in love, we, we are a fragrant offering. We, we uh, are imitators of Christ in this. Um, and, and people want to be around us. And, and God is pleased. They glorify God. They see our good deeds and they bring, give glory to God. When, when we are walking in love and following Christ in uh, sacrificing ourselves, right? For the sake of others, right? Yeah. Exactly. So well, beautiful. And the cross really carries us through that, enables us, right? Empowers us to do it. Yes. Yeah. Well, this has been a full two verses. Um, <laughs> we've, we've cut through exactly two verses, but next time we'll continue on. Until then, uh, thank you for listening, and we will continue on in Ephesians chapter 5 in the next podcast. This has been a podcast of Setting Captives Free. For more information or to enroll in free interactive courses on finding freedom, please go to settingcaptivesfree.com. Tune in next time for more truth that sets captives free.